Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. So the reading is Psalm 105, verses 1 to 10. Give thanks to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory is in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Abraham and the chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The promise, the promise he made for a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, and confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. Hello everyone, it's great to see you. I'm Hannah and I'm the planting curate here at St. George's. Um, we're in a really exciting season as we wait to hear where it's going to be. We get to plant, um, but it's going to be exciting wherever it is. Today we continue our series on the psalm, and tonight's psalm was, as you just heard, Psalm 105, and it focuses on remembering all God has done, the story of God's people. Through the lens, we see our present circumstances, so when we remember, we can look back, but we can also put it into the circumstances we're in now. We're particularly focusing on the beginning of the psalm, but the middle section basically outlines that story of the exodus of the Hebrew people and their journey through the wilderness. So the psalm starts with a proclamation of who God is and what he's done. The psalm begins and ends in praise. When we praise God, it is an act of thankfulness, of acknowledgement of who he is, and the marvel of the unlikeliness that this all-powerful God would want to acknowledge us, know us, and love us. And rejoice in the gladness as we do so. As we remember who God is, we need to seek him in the now and the everyday. Remembering this needs to lead us to action, to transforming our lives. Throughout the psalm, we see the call to remembrance is repeated. And within the Jewish traditions, remembering is a lived act of worship. Through the reading of stories of their people, just as the psalmist does in 105. Through symbolic meals and festivals where they immerse themselves in those experiences through food and um, traditions. Yeah, so the Jewish, the Jewish people live this story through their traditions, through their uh, food, and they experience it through sensory things, by the visual look of the food, the taste, and the experience of it. In this means, they can apply the story for the people of Israel into the trials they're currently going through. It's like uh, they can take those past experiences and bring them into present to relate them into their current situation. Dr. Eileen Lancaster, a Jewish professor, reflects that in times of trial, she's pulled to remember the story of her ancestors through special meals and festivals. 
She says, I remember that I was once a slave in Egypt, just like my ancestors, just like my parents who escaped Egypt of Poland during the Holocaust, my father through Siberia, Japan, Canada, where he joined the Black Watch and arrived in Scotland, my mother through Paris and Nice, where she was hunted down like an animal, but was saved by the others who risked their own lives. This act of remembering becomes her story, the story of her ancestors and her parents. She is thankful, but she is present in those memories. The act of remembering through food is one we share as Christians. We become part of Jesus' story through the act of remembering his death and sacrifice through communion. Jesus commanded his disciples, do this in remembrance of me, Luke 22, 19. And in our communion liturgy, we say these words. Jesus blessed you, Father, for the food. He took the bread. He gave thanks and broke it and said, this is my body given for you all. Jesus gave thanks for the wine. He took the cup and gave it and said, this is my blood shed for all of you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Then we say the words, this is our story, this is our song, Hosanna in the highest. We embody this story of remembering through Jesus' words. We echo his very words in those communion services, through the physical presentation of the bread and the wine, through the taste, the bitterness of the wine, the sweetness of the wine, the wholesomeness of the bread, the sustaining nature of that food. These symbolize the Christ's death, arc back to the old covenant of the sacrificial lamb, the manna in the desert, showing us the completion of God's new covenant in Jesus. We share communion. We are connecting ourselves to Jesus' story and committing ourselves to be disciples to continue that story in how we live. Now, our psalm goes on in 39 and 41. We see that God's provision through the 40 years in the wilderness is remembered. He spread out a cloud as a covering and a fire to give light to the night. He asked and he brought them to quarrel. He fed them well with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed like a river in the desert. Now, I'm sure the Jewish people would have preferred to come out of the desert. It's all very well God providing for them in these miraculous ways. But actually, when God gives us provision in times of trial, it promises to bear greater fruit than if it was just an easy ride. Paul, who knew plenty about the true cost of discipleship as an early follower of Jesus, he wrote these words to the early church, and actually Eve has already said some of them to us tonight. In Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, it says, Not only so, but also because glory in our suffering, because we know suffering, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
When I look at my life, I know that being able to persevere through difficult circumstances has come at a cost. But I see that fruit that God has nurtured through these times. Having dyslexia has many strengths. But I also have to face that I have many weaknesses. That again and again I feel embarrassed when I struggle to pronounce words, read fluently, remember information, organize my time, concentrate for long periods of time. Verbally, I think out loud and quite often say the wrong thing. I'm late. I forget things constantly. This at least keeps me humble. But in my weakness, it also gives room for Jesus. It helps me to be creative, to problem solve, to empathize with others, find different ways to communicate and not be scared to ask others. That is a strength, not a weakness. I know for many of you, you're going through seasons of change. I remember in my late teens, early 20s, I was in a season of constant instability, difficult decisions, pain, and disorientation. I didn't have the wonderful superpower of perspective, which I have now. At the moment when I faced a broken relationship with a friend, a boyfriend, or family member, when my accommodation changed many times, I had more than 10 addresses in five years. I had to drop out of my A-levels, I had depression, the list goes on. I don't know if you have the same sense, but it doesn't always feel like it's going to be okay, does it? But 20 years on, I can tell you with firm conviction that I am incredibly grateful that those heartfelt prayers that I remained with the boyfriend I thought was the one didn't happen. <laughs> that as a result of those relationships not lasting, I met Ben, who is my best friend and who shares a passion for the church and mission in a way I couldn't have dreamed of. If I'd gone to uni at 18 instead of 25, I know for certain I wouldn't have studied theology. And I wouldn't have come to Leeds as part of my gap year where I fell in love with the East of Leeds and, calling, and, and foster that calling of serving and loving those communities. Trusting in God and his faithfulness is something we have to keep doing even if the situation feels hopeless when there seems to be no around every corner, by remembering in even those difficult seasons of the past, God has accompanied us through those times that were difficult. He lets us choose the course, every twist and turn, but he makes a good place where we can flourish, where we can serve and grow to who he's calling us to be. When I gave birth to my first child, Chris, um, I had, uh, it, everything went wrong basically, and I had to have an emergency uh, C-section and a general, general anaesthetic because it had become life-threatening for me and for Chris. Chris entered the world safely, and although those first weeks of life, of his life, were the hardest I've experienced, God was so faithful. Christopher means Christ-bearer, and we chose his middle name to be Nehemiah after the Old Testament prophet who rebuilt the city walls of Jerusalem. At that time, God was really speaking to me and Ben about how he wanted to rebuild this city 
and it seemed really fitting that that would be Chris's name. But what came through Chris's birth was lots of unexpected reconciliation, lots of building of bridges between family members, between the community we lived in and the church. God was so faithful that even though I had no expectation, the midwife who we had was a Christian, and she rang me early one morning to say that God had woken up at four in the morning to pray for me. And yet in this time, where surely I could see how faithful God was being, I came up against great doubts, probably the first time ever in my life. What if this Jesus thing wasn't real? What if it was all made up? I suddenly felt so empty and hopeless. But then I thought about the various times I'd encountered Jesus. The times he had been faithful, the times I'd felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, the times he changed situations that felt hopeless, where it seemed impossible. No one could tell me Jesus wasn't real. I knew him like I knew my husband, Ben. They couldn't tell me Ben wasn't real. I had history with him. I knew and experienced life with him. It was true that I knew God. Sometimes we need to remember, because it builds that muscle within us, that that faith, that those years of encounter, that learned experience, that God is with us. I felt like God was teaching me why he'd called me to the life he'd called me, why it was so important to share who Jesus was, how it changes lives. It was almost like I suddenly knew what it must feel like to not know Jesus, which I'd never felt before. On Sunday, we often sing the song, Do It Again. And within this song, it talks of seeing God move mountains and knowing that he will do it again. Remembering the mountains in our past is important because it helps us stand firm that God has made his promises to us. He has moved those mountains before and he will do it again. Remembering can be a painful thing. Within community or with professional help, it's really important to find ways to um, reconcile ourselves to our past, to find healing. God isn't looking for us to relive traumatic events. He wants us to become in a place of healing and wholeness. Sometimes this takes healthy processing integrated into our experience so that it becomes part of our lives, but it doesn't define us. Our lives are living testimonies. Not so we share our pain in unhealthy ways, but so that we can be like Jesus as he shows his wounds to Thomas. He didn't concentrate on the death and the suffering, but in the victory of the resurrection. He can redeem even death. The final section of our psalm has a pattern of remembrance, praise, remembrance, call to action, and praise. It says these words. For he remembered the holy promise given to his servant Abraham, He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them lands and nations, and they fell heir to what others had told for, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. Praise the Lord.
In Deuteronomy verses, uh, chapter nine, uh, 4, verse 9, it says, Only guard yourself and guard your soul carefully, lest you forget with your eye, what your eyes saw, lest these things depart your heart for all the days of your life. And you shall make them known to your children and to your children's children. Now, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this right, but it's uh, Sakor, uh, which means you shall remember, is repeated nearly 200 times in the Torah for both God and the Jewish people. It's commanded to do so. We must remember the Sabbath, remember the covenant, remember the exodus from Egypt, and so on. In this final section, we transition from remembering into praise, into action. The reason why remembrance is so vital to the Jew, in Judaism is twofold. Firstly, it is to learn about what took place, but more importantly, it's to inspire action into the future. We are all rich tapestries of what God has done in and through us. In our past, but it isn't just that God leaves us where we were in our past, but he takes us from glory to glory, to new places of growth and challenge. But this time, we're not starting from scratch. We're, we're starting from a place where we have seen God move the mountain before, and we know he's going to move it again. He is our known friend, trusted and faithful, and he accompanies us as we take every faithful step when we face the next difficult decision, the next emptying, sacrificial offering of our lives. He is faithful. He has moved the mountain before and he will do it again. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.